Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Good morning. So, yeah, to, to be even more clear, I mean, we were part of a group of young people. I was at university at, at, at Moravian when I was 18, and I went to Grubby's living room with a bunch of other young people, and that's basically where I got saved. And so when the church started in 1980, Kent and I were right there at the beginnings of NC4. So yeah, it's very much a part of us, and some of the old timers are still here. Don't want to point anybody out, but you know, (laughs) there's a few few old timers still here that we know. But that's our connection, and of course we are Ian's parents, very, very proud to say. And what an, I mean, I can't stop being amazed at God with that, right? God bringing our son back here to a church that, you know, we were some of the founding members of. I mean, none of us imagined that. I know, right? God is so good. You know, when we sing that song about the faithfulness of God, it always makes me cry because God is so faithful. I mean, I was 18 when I got saved, and when I met the Lord, had an encounter, a, a magnificent encounter with Christ. And I'm a little bit older now, and I'm still very excited. I won't tell you how, a lot, a lot older, and just still very excited about the things of God. He never has failed us. He has astounded us, surprised us, and continues to do that in our lives. So I brought my son-in-law with me today, Jason. Some of the men heard him yesterday morning, and we're very proud of him and, and our daughter who serve with us in the UK. So I do have a couple grandbabies that are close, which is a, a blessing, so, you know, because Ian and Selena are over here. So to begin with, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your support of us for, it will be 33 years now on the mission field. We couldn't, yeah, a long time, right? We were five years in Spain and 27 years in, in England now. And so it's a long time and you guys have been faithful supporters of us. We couldn't do what we're doing. Our children couldn't have done what they're doing without your help and support all these years. So that's amazing. Thank you for your faithfulness to us and for, you know, for sending the teams that give input prophetically, especially prophetically input into our lives, teams that have come and worked on our buildings and, and it's been amazing. So we're still looking forward to more teams in the future. So that's exciting. So I want to begin by just showing you a brief video that actually Leah did, who's amazing with the videos. So I'll just show you this briefly, and then we'll carry on from there. ...thousands of men and women's lives. Since beginning in 1996, Battelle UK has expanded across England and Scotland, hosting over 14,000 men and women struggling with addictions and homelessness free of charge. Battelle UK has built a radical model of sustainable, income-generating businesses, staffed by our recovering residents, whilst training them in employable skills. 
Battelle's one-of-a-kind recovery model saves families, taxpayers and the UK government £36 million annually. Between 2013 and 2018, the government closed one-third of all state-funded residential rehabs in the UK. Meanwhile, almost one-third of all drug-related deaths in 28 European countries occurred in the UK. In that same time, Battelle helped thousands of hurting lives on the road to recovery without government funding. The current need is greater than ever for effective recovery and lasting transformation. Results of a 12-year survey show that 97% of Battelle residents who stayed at least 12 months were no longer dependent on drugs or alcohol. 82% are employed, most of them using skills obtained while at Battelle. 91% have seen improvement in family relationships and 62% have pursued higher education or skills training. At Battelle, the people in need become the solution. I think Battelle saves individual people but it also saves families. So when that person is healed, it heals the whole family. I think... I needed Patel, and Patel was where the Lord led me. I don't think if it was anywhere else, I probably would have been back on the streets and probably not even here today. I'm thankful that I didn't die an addict. I'm thankful that I get a second chance. I feel good. I feel like a good person. I'm happy. Patel's innovative recovery model has transformed countless hurting lives and their family members. But financially, we earnestly need you to stand with us. Please partner with us today to support Patel UK. Thank you. Every time I see Kelly's testimony, it always brings me tears. Um, Yeah, her restoration with her family is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. We have a, a, I just want to spend this, you know, few minutes just talking about Patel and do a little slideshow and talk to you about the recent, well, what God recently has called us to do, which was to build a place for bigger community. Basically, God wanted us to extend our tent pegs and build a bigger place for community. And I know, we know that's in preparation for growth. Even though there's been some pruning of late, our numbers have been low, that God is going to bring an amazing growth. And we believe that. So let me just show you if we have the slides. So that's where Battelle is around the world. We are in 21 countries, actually we'll be in 22 countries soon, which is, I think the next slide is Dave and Brenda Cox. You can pray for them. I forgot to put that on the prayer list. We are hoping to start Battelle in the USA with this couple, with this family. They've lived here for a year. He is British. She's American. He's trying to get his green card, and it has taken a long time. And he got denied, and so he is stuck in the UK, and she's in the US. 
So please pray for them. We're trying to overturn that decision, which we think we can do without giving you more details. So you can pray for that. Next. So this is the, the new Anchor Point building. And this is, show the next picture. So that's what it looks like. That's what God has given us. I think it was like five years ago we got the building. And, but this has been a vision that you've probably heard. If you've been here, you've heard us talk about for over 20 years. God put on our hearts to build a, a headquarters building for Battelle, for the Battelle charity, and to extend our social enterprises and to have church, our church. We do plant churches with Battelle to have our church housed in this building and, and see what else God wants to do in that place. So next. So that's what it looked like when we saw it. And next, cleared out. And so it was a really a blank canvas for us really to design and build with, to renovate. So anchor point. God birthed vision, vision promising six social businesses and Battelle's UK national headquarters, employment training for 60 recovering Battelle residents. Our church is there and going to be there and reaching Birmingham city center community. So we're really, you know, desiring to reach out to more of the marginalized because it's not just addicts who are marginalized. There's many other people groups we believe that are being marginalized and who need more community that we need to draw them into community. So that's our restaurant that we started there, which has been very exciting, very good, amazing, because there's no football footfall there, and yet people are coming in. And actually, people are coming in regularly and even coming to church from coming into the cafe, which has been amazing. Yeah, it's been great. They just love, they just love the atmosphere. See, God fills it up, and it becomes irresistible, right? So that's what it looked like before, and that's what it looks like filled up a bit. And that's some of our beautiful baked goods. And that's our, our kitchen staff. And they're all just, all but one is a, all but one is a resident or in different measures of recovery uh, in the program. And that's what the theater dance hall looked like prior to. That's what the dance hall looks like now. Um, and next. And then so it could be, it's a sprung dance floor, and we can use it for dance, or we can, we've put a carpet down, and you can use it for a black box theater. So we've already done that. We have a, a theater group, which I'll, we'll, ha- we'll have a really brief update on that in a minute. Okay, and that's, so that's our infinite arts group, which our daughter Trish leads, and they write their own performances and do all their own music and dance and put on performances. And they teach our men and women who are incredibly gifted, it, it appears, you know, with the arts in many areas. So that's what the Anchor Point building looks like now. That's at night. And <laughs> Kent has to always throw in that Prince William, don't forget, Prince William and Kate were visited us in our restaurant when we were at the cathedral. We're hoping they'll come back for the big opening of the building, which will be next year. Yeah. And lastly, we do internships. So we do general internships where people come and live and work at Battelle, as you know, because we've had several people from here do that. And we also have an infinite arts 
internship that we do now too. So let me just show you quickly that video and then I'll get on to the word of God. Arts, a collective of artists working within the ministry of Battelle UK, which focuses on recovery from long-term addiction. Our purpose is to unlock the creative potential in our community and empower them to embrace their own God-given artistic expression. Throughout the year, we produce artistic workshops, original films, music, and theatrical performances. We have launched our internship program and are looking for other artists who have a passion for both ministry and the arts. This will be an opportunity to get firsthand experience in not only training and performing in the arts, but also discovering what it's like to work alongside our men and women in recovery. If you are an artist looking to serve in the context of ministry, come and join us. So as you can see, that was my beautiful Trisha on there. And so maybe well, maybe at Christmas time, we're coming at Christmas this year to be with Ian and Selena at Christmas. So hopefully you'll see her and our other grandbabies then. So if you would like to find out about or, or know more about the internships, I have a few flyers that I'll have downstairs and a few books um, that have some of our testimonies in it too. So today, prayer, talking with God. I'm going to look at... at Luke 11, 1 through 13 a bit. And just to begin, I, I don't know how many of you heard Ian last week, but he began by talking about how Kent and I got up every day while he was growing up and prayed. Just to, just to you know, sort of make sure that myth doesn't get too big. There were a few days, okay? There were a few days, just a few, where we didn't get up, just, just to make sure we're clear. Just want to set the record straight, you know? But truly, I mean, there has been a hunger for God in me since I was awakened to the reality of who God was and what he'd done for me. And I have had a hunger to know what's going on in heaven and what God wants to bring down to earth. <laughs> you know, I, because I want to be part of it. You know, I want to be in the flow of what God is doing right now on the face of the earth. And so the only way we really can do that is if we're talking with God. We got to talk to him. We got to be with him. We got to know what he's about. Let me begin by reading uh, Luke 11. And I know that Ian read this from Matthew last week, so I won't, you know, I'm not going to review the things that he did, but I think the conversation needs to go on. You know, when you're talking about prayer, I'm not sure the conversation should ever end because there's so much to talk about, isn't there? Ian had said, the quality of your prayer life is the quality of your relationship with God. And so we need to learn about it. So verse 11, one, it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. 
When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, I thought this was interesting, because if you look at the end of of chapter 10, it's the story about Mary and Martha, isn't it? And it's Martha rushing around like crazy, and then saying, you know, you know, that Jesus, aren't you going to rebuke Mary? She's not helping me. And Jesus's response was, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. So Mary, what was Mary doing? Mary was sitting at Jesus's feet. (laughs) That was the one thing. Indeed, only one thing we need to do. That makes life simple. Only one thing we need to do is sit at the feet of Jesus. So right after witnessing this, that's when the disciples, you know, coming to 11.1, that's when they ask him, teach us to pray. Almost like teach us to be like Mary. You know, how can we be like Mary and learn to sit at your feet? Learn to calmly come into your presence. You know, I believe we all want to know the answer to that, right? I don't know about you. I I do. I still do. Calm me down, Lord. (laughs) Calm me down in your presence. So Jesus is telling them really only one thing is needed, talking with God, sitting and seeing what he has to say to us. So it's a natural overflow, this question, teach us to pray. Now, I know that that incorporates also teaching us how to pray. You know, you've talked all about the, you know, our father and teaching us there's, there's, a way to pray. We get help with prayer. But in addition, they're saying, just teach us to do it though. It's like, teach us to show up. (laughs) You know, teach us to show up, body, soul, and spirit to pray. Because we actually can't even do the how-to until we actually get there. We have to actually get there first, right? So it's Teach us, Lord, what is the most important thing? How can we get to prayer? So, you know, I'm going to read the rest of this. Because I see, let's read the rest of it, and then I'll look at some of the points I want to bring out. So he says, so this is a shortened version. Last week, week, Ian looked at Matthew, which is a longer version of the Lord's Prayer, and this is a little bit shorter. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answered, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though 
he will not get up to give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. It's a bit, yeah, okay, different translations. But I love shameless audacity because of your because of your perseverance. <laughs> he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? <laughs> how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So these passages, I, I, I want to look at three key things that draw us to prayer, that get us there, that get us in front of God, or in my mind, okay? So let us have this You know, last week was a bit more of a how-to, and this week will be more about showing up and talking with God. So, relationship, I want to look at relationship, kingdom things, and shameless audacity. So, Ian, I know, spoke last week on relationships, so just briefly, because I don't think we could say it enough, it is the absolute imperative in getting into prayer is to understand our relationship to the Father, to our loving Father, and being a part of the family of God, being a part of the family. Jesus begins and ends this section about fathers, okay? You know, this for us, you know, with our people in Battelle can be quite a stumbling block because not a lot of our people had a good father, had a loving father, didn't even have a father, some of them. And so it's hard to now begin to relate to a loving father. But the fact is, as we become a Christian and we are overwhelmed by the father's love, we need to, we need to hold on to that and begin to change all the past with the new revelation that God has given us. Because the only way we can carry on, the only thing that carries us in our faith is that we have a loving father who gave his son to die for us. That, that, is, that is our faith. And so there is no choice in getting revelation of a loving father. And so we must carry on to understand that. And to understand our place in the kingdom, in his family. You know, because when you understand that, you know how approachable God is. You know how much more he wants to give to us. You know, that his love is beyond measure, the abundance of it. We, you know, that's the starting point. And I want to be with you, God, because that's who you are. And you want to pour that out to me when I'm in your presence. That's why I love what Jason and I were just talking earlier. I mean, I've been a Christian for, I don't know, how many years? 40 plus years. 
and, and 40 plus plus, anyway, <laughs> years. And, and, and I think, I have always loved to come to church. I said, only when I'm a little angry with somebody, then it becomes hard, you know, right? Then you're like pushing it. But, you know, why do I love to come? Because I love to be in the presence of my father. I love to be impacted by the presence of my father. You know, because, you know, nothing more, nothing changes me like being in the presence of my father, right? My loving father. So I love to be with him. Keller, in a sermon on this passage, said adoption, the fact that he is your father, makes Christian prayer, makes sense, makes sense of Christian prayer. You know, the only only way we understand it is through adoption. Christian prayer only works on family terms. We have to know our place in the family. And so this parable is a story of contrast. God is not, obviously, the grumpy neighbor who feels bothered by the knocking. He is, what it says later on, the loving father who, of course, will give you good gifts. So it's a, it's a parable of contrast. God, unlike this neighbor, is never asleep. You can always bother him. And he always wants to give more than you even ask for. Okay? So it's the contrast. It just makes me think, you know, when, you, when you're so comfortable with your family and your father, like you're willing to ask for whatever. I mean, we were driving home from church the other day, and we had our little Mercy, our little granddaughter in the car, and we pass a, a place that sells vans. And she's like, not in granddad, will you buy me a van? <laughs> it's like, well, it's kind of a big ask, Mercy, you know. Maybe we should ask God about the van because it's a bit big for Nana and granddad. And she said, I am asking God, Nana. I was like, good, okay. <laughs> Keep asking him. I remember, that reminds me. I remember when we were in Spain, we didn't have a car for years when we were in Spain. And Ian would go around laying hands on vans. Seriously. Didn't tell him to do it. He just, he's like, nope. I'm, laid hands on vans until we got one. One day, we got the money to get one. Isn't that amazing? So, <laughs> it's cool. So, I don't know about Mercy with the van, you know. You never know. Tell her to lay hands on some. <laughs> Anyway, the point is how comfortable you are with the father, right? How comfortable you are with family. To ask for big stuff. Ask for big stuff. Okay. Second reason to, to, to come to the father, what, what compels us to come to the father, are kingdom things. From the first week in your home group teaching, you were talking it was about talking to God. And there was a quote that said, in the 14th century, an Englishwoman, Julian of Norwich, said, the whole reason why we pray is to be united in, into the vision and contemplation of God to whom we pray. The whole reason we pray is to be united into the vision and contemplation of God to whom we pray. We talk to God because we want to hear about the kingdom things. 
That's why we talk to God. We want to hear and we want to bring those kingdom things down to earth, down into our hearts and down into our lives, right? We want to hear about the kingdom things. When we get into the presence of God, he begins to download these kingdom things to us, which we're saying we know God did with this building. He, he downloaded this 20, some, 20 plus years ago and began to work on that and prophetically confirm it over many, many years what he wanted us to do in this place. So it was, it was amazing. It was like, okay, God. And then it was about timing. I'll tell you about timing in a minute, though. I won't get ahead of myself. Okay, so this is, you know, what we received in God. That, that I guess, that, you know, for, for God, you know, <laughs> I guess when we're talking with God, you know, and it's a dialogue, he, he begins to ask us to do big things, too. Right? It's not just about us asking him about big things. He goes, okay, here's what's happening in heaven. Here's a big thing. Do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to do it? You know, and, and God has stretched our faith and everything in us in the things that he's asked us to do over 33 years. You know, way bigger stuff than we ever imagined for ourselves, way bigger stuff than we could ever do if God weren't in it. Do you know, God... <laughs> In God's timing, doing things in God's timing, he already has blessed us with 7 million pounds to renovate that building. I mean, and Battelle has no money. <laughs> it's, it's not us. We can't produce that. It, you know, it came from the heavenlies. I don't even know where some of it came from. A lot of it was anonymous. Isn't that amazing? Like, so seriously, it felt like it just dropped out of the sky. But, but that's what God does when it's his timing, you know? Amazing. So, kingdom things. When God opens the heavens, his kingdom promises and purposes to us, we begin, the thing is, we begin to get desperate to see them happen. So we're drawn to pray or drawn to talk to God because we desire these kingdom things. In the parable, the friend opened up the door because of the shameless audacity or the amazing persistence of the person knocking. When we see, when God gives us revelation of heavenly things, we don't want to stop until they're accomplished. So my third point is this shameless audacity. Because of the, sa- the shameless audacity, the person got up and answered. You know, I, what I saw in this, too, is there's, there's actually quite a price to pay, you know, when you begin to say yes to God. You know, there's a boldness and a courage when you think about this knocking at midnight, Right? So this guy's knocking at midnight, not only waking up the guy in the house, but waking up the whole neighborhood, pounding on that door, right? And you think, well, you must be at a place where you actually don't care what the neighbors think. 
Isn't that interesting? You know, like you don't care anymore about what everybody thinks around you. I'm going after this desperately, and I don't care what, you know, what I look like. Because sometimes you can look quite foolish, (laughs) you know, stepping out in faith. You can sometimes look foolish because you can imagine what people might have said. Well, you know, you should have planned better. Why didn't you have enough food in the house? You should have, you, you know, you, you know people could possibly knock at the door. You should have worked harder. You know, something, you know, I mean, there'd be a lot of judgment around. But this guy was like, no, he was, I, I, he was in the audacity zone. You know, that's my, I'm coining that, okay? The audacity zone. He's like, no, I am, he saw an opportunity and he went after it. He acted immediately and knocked at that neighbor's door. You know, I, when I was reading this, I felt the Lord speaking to me about Kairos moments. That this was a Kairos moment. It was a brief moment of time when things were possible, when it was possible. There was a window of opportunity, responding with desperation at night, the right time for the right reasons. You know, he saw he had a lack. He could have just told the guy to go away. Sorry, I have nothing. See you later. Right? But he didn't. He saw an opportunity to find something out of nothing. And that something was, he knew that that neighbor had what he needed and he was going to get it. Because it was the right time and the right moment for him to do that. If we ask God, he will let us know about these kinds of opportunities. It makes me think of, see, Kairos, I don't know if you know the story, but Kairos was a Greek god of opportunity. And he had this long piece of hair. You can look up the picture, long piece of hair right in the front of this, this God, Kairos. And he was all bald in the back and wore no clothes. So you could grab him right away in the front or you would lose, you couldn't, you'd lose the opportunity. So it's that kind of grabbing the moment, seizing the moment or it'll pass. And so we need to be, see, we need to talk to God so we know about these moments. Because all sorts of things like that can come up in our lives where we need to seize the moment or it'll pass us by. God's asking us to do something. You know, in Zechariah 10.1, you've heard this before, I'm sure, ask rain from the Lord in the season of rain. And honestly, I, I have always thought to myself, I don't quite understand that. Why would I ask for rain when it's, when it's the season of rain? And it, it, well, maybe all of you got this a lot earlier than me, but I began to realize it's because it's not that it's the rainy season. It's not like, okay, every year in September it rains. No, it means we discern the season by talking to God. So we're talking about a spiritual season. We discern the season and God says, The season of rain is coming. And so then we respond and pray. 
Lord, bring the rain. Bring the rain because you say it's going to be a season of rain, so bring the rain. Bring the rain and the season of rain that you want to bring. You know, it's that cooperation. He talks to us about the season, and then we pray into that season. Does that make sense? You know? So we need to talk to him to find out what season we're in. And I believe that the church is in a, is in a moment, <laughs> is in a Cairo season. God wants to talk to us about the rain coming. He wants us to prepare for the rain coming. I believe what we are building here is for the rain coming. And I don't know exactly what that means, but I know that we need to pray into it. And God, and ask God to bring the rain because you're saying it's a season of rain. So Kairos and Strong says, an opportune season time, the appointed time when God acts. Like when Jesus broke into history. You know, it, it was a moment in time when God broke in in an, an incredibly historic way. In this book called, E.C. Yeah, e. White in his book called Coronamia, The Will to Invent, he says, Kairos is a passing instant when an opening appears which must be driven through with force if success is to be achieved. Now, he's, I think he's talking about like business moments and invention moments in history, but it's the same principle, isn't it? If you'd study all of that, you drive through with something, you know, that you know it's the moment to do it and to break that out in history. So just quickly, some examples in the scriptures. In Genesis 12, the Lord spoke to Abraham. And, he, and, and this was not like Abraham didn't even know about people hearing from God at that time. He's, you know, this is very early on. And God said to him, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to a land I will show you. That is super radical. He had no example of that. But because God spoke it, he went. Abraham seized the moment when God spoke to him. Nehemiah heard his people were in trouble. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down. The gates were burned. So after he had talked with God, he went away and talked with God, the king asked him, what do you want? And he said, I want to rebuild for my people. He seized the moment. Esther, who was, quote, randomly chosen to prepare as queen when the Jews were in threat of being, you know, wiped out, extinguished, her uncle said to her, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise up from another place. In other words, if you don't seize the moment, Esther, somebody else will. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. That sounds like a Kairos moment, doesn't it? Such a time, this time, right now. Esther had a choice to seize the opportunity or not. Blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10, he wouldn't stop crying out until Jesus turned and says, 
Many people told the man to stop, but he shouted even louder. The audacity zone. Okay, he was in the audacity zone. Shout even louder. Son of David, have pity on me. And Jesus stopped and called him over. They called out to the blind man and said, don't be afraid. Come, and he, he's, he's calling you. And the man threw off his coat, and he jumped up and ran to Jesus. I love that. <laughs> you know, such desperation. And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man answered, master, I want to see. And Jesus told him, you may go. Your eyes are healed because of your faith. Bartimaeus persevered for a Kairos moment. And when Jesus passed by, he grabbed that moment, right? And he cried out with everything that was in him. And I believe we really need to come to some of those times in our lives where we know God is speaking these things and we need to grab hold, even if we don't know all the answers, Even if we don't know, like Abraham, where he's even sending us. Isn't that crazy? But grab hold and say, this is a moment in God that I cannot miss. I don't want to miss it. And I believe we need to get our ears attuned to what God's doing right now because we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss it. God, we want to work with you in this. You know, I, I pray with, just to end up here, I don't know if you do a song at the end or you do. So I'm going to end up here. If musicians want to come up, back up. God is shifting. God is changing. God is making a lot new right now. So we need to talk to him. We need to sit at his feet and talk to him and say, God, what do we need to seize in this moment, God? Because we don't want to miss it. You know, I pray with a group of, of women. We've been praying every week together for about three years, which is pretty cool and amazing. And we began by praying about revival, you know, and... We believe that God called us to pray for revival. And we pray about other things too. But again, just maybe seizing that moment and going, okay, it hasn't happened yet. It's not here yet, but we sense the season is coming. And so we're going to pray for rain in the season of rain. And that's what we're beginning to do. And I would challenge you to begin to do that. Pray for rain in the season of rain what God wants to do. This week, as you look at your prayer practice guides, and I would challenge you to, talks about fine-tuning your daily rhythm of prayer. And do whatever's needed to make sure you are focusing on God in that time. You know, shake it up. Do, you know, have a song on or walk around or, you know, do whatever you need to do to be paying attention to God. Because how easy it is to be distracted by the phone, by whatever else. So, and and me, it's just my thoughts in my head, you know, to calm those things down. You know, (laughs) all the plans, you know, all these, you know, calm it down, Lord, you know. 
And so do, do whatever. And I have started actually doing, you know, having, you know, listening to a podcast that, that calms me down (laughs) and whatever you need to do. Anyway, pray about that. Be grateful for being part of the family of God and being a part of the love of God. Because remember, that's the start. We got to know that we're family. We got to know he's a loving God. And then lastly, ask God to know those Kairos moments and have the courage to say yes and have the courage to get into the audacity zone. Okay? Because we know God is on the move because God is doing something and we want to grab hold and not miss it. Amen? Should we just pray? Lord, Father, we pray for courage. (laughs) We pray for boldness. Father, to see what you're doing on the face of the earth, God, help us to sit at your feet and talk to you and find out about what's going on in the heavenlies and what you want to bring down here to earth Right now, right in this moment, at this time, we want to seize the moment, Lord God. We want to seize the blessings that you want to pour out upon us, Lord God. So we pray together corporately. We pray for that rain in this season of rain. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word JESUS to 610-816-6062. I know your mercy never fails.